Well, good morning again, church family. It is great to be back with you this week. As most of you know, I was not here with you last week, um, and I want to thank just real quick Ed Bush for stepping in and taking the podium last week so that I could have the week off. Um, as most of you know, my son had his tonsils and his adenoids out and unfortunately ended up being in the hospital for about four days uh, for what was supposed to be an overnight procedure and I just didn't feel like I was going to have the time to prepare like I really wanted to and uh, we asked Ed to go ahead and step in last week. So Ed, we appreciate you doing that for us. It is so good to be back with you today. I know we are getting closer and closer to being able to meet in person and I am so, so, so excited about that. I can't wait for the day that we are able to do that. And you know, the staff and the elders have been working really hard on a plan to not only reopen the building, but to make sure that we're doing this in a way that's gonna be safe for both the staff and all of our members as well, because that is our number one priority, is to keep all of us safe. So hang in there, guys. It is coming. It's not that far down the road anymore, and I am super excited to once again have this room full of people. So we are going to pick up where we left off a couple weeks ago, and we'll spend just a couple of minutes kind of looking back at where we left off, uh, because I know it can be a little bit difficult when there's two weeks in between, but we are still in this series about building resilient disciples. So we're not just going to be habitual churchgoers, but we're going to be a truly resilient disciple that stays faithful through these difficult times such as we have found ourselves in here lately. So let's go ahead and dive right in. Again, a definition we've been talking about building that truly intimate relationship, and that's experiencing Jesus means clearing religious and other clutter for closeness and joy in Christ. And again, that's the bottom line. And that's why we've spent so many weeks kind of flushing out this idea of building a truly intimate relationship with Jesus. The reason we focused on it for so long is because it's so very, very, very important that we do that. We truly have to have that relationship with him. That's what he wants. And that's hopefully what we want as well. Again, this is all based on some alarming statistics that we found, and that was that there's four different categories of, of people who grew up as Christians. And that's your, your prodigals are the ones that have kind of walked away, or, and we've got your nomads, and then we've got your habitual churchgoers, and those are the ones that are coming to church every week but aren't necessarily building that close, intimate relationship. And only 10% of people who grew up Christian have really developed that relationship and turned into that truly resilient disciple. And that's why we're looking at this series. And that's why this series is going to continue even after today is that 10% is an alarming number. And I hope that that upsets you as much as it upsets me. And I hope that that causes us to do some self-reflection and say, am I truly in that 10% or am I in that habitual churchgoer? Have I just gotten in the habit of going through the motions or have I truly developed that relationship that I need to have that makes me a truly resilient disciple like some of the examples that we've looked at over the last few weeks? Now, keep in mind, if you missed any of those lessons and you wanna go back and check those out, you can certainly do that through our app or through our website or even through our Facebook page or our YouTube channel. And you can go back and kind of get caught up on that. But we've really been fleshing out this idea of what a resilient disciple looks like and what it means to have that truly close relationship that we should all be striving for. And again, th these are just some statistics that I wanted to leave up there for a few minutes because these statistics are very, very telling. They're very telling because remember that three of the four of these categories call themselves Christians, but only 10% are truly the resilient disciple that Jesus would want us to be. 
And again, I want to just keep flushing that out, and we're going to throw that out week after week just because I want that to be just burned into your mind about how alarming some of these statistics truly are. And if you'd like a copy of this, I'm happy to send it to you. Otherwise, you can get a screen, a screen capture from the live stream as well. But again, I hope this is alarming to you, and I hope this is eye-opening to you, and I hope this upsets you to the point that you say, yes, we've got to do better. We've got to take that 10% and increase it to 20, to 30, to 40, to 50. And that's exactly what we're trying to do. So remember that finding deep joy in Jesus is a lot more difficult than just calling yourself a Christian. It's really easy to call ourselves Christian. And again, three of those four categories will, would actually say to you, yes, I'm a Christian. Now, our first category, the ones that have walked away and just kind of never, never came back, they don't necessarily call themselves Christians anymore. But the other three groups still claim to be Christians, even though they may be lacking that deep, intimate relationship. So last week, what did we talk about? Or two weeks ago, excuse me. We talked about, do we love God? Do we love God? And we used an example uh, of a movie called Fireproof and, and some of the, the different things that they flushed out in there about what this relationship should and could look like. And we also related it to our spouses. And these are some of the questions that we wanted to kind of ask ourselves. Do we always put them first? Or in this case, do we put God first? Is it Facebook official? And that one was kind of a joke, but it, I wanted to get your attention that your social media says a lot about you, whether it's Instagram, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Twitter, would people look at your social media not knowing you and say, wow, that's a Jesus lover or that's someone who really loves God? Would you be willing to die for them? Now, thankfully, again, we'll probably never be called on to die for our faith, but would we be willing to do so if that situation arose? Do others know how much we love them? We hope that others know how much we love our spouses, but do others know how much we love God? Is it obvious to everybody that we come into contact with that there's something different about us and that we are putting Jesus in the best possible light in everything that we say and that we do? And then we have, do you treat them as if they were the most important person in the world? Now, that's a tough one, right? Because if we're truly treating God as if he's the most important person in our lives, then he takes priority over everything over work, over relationships, over friendships. He's number one in our lives. And that can be a tough one sometimes, even for resilient disciples, right? Because you always have to make choices. You all made a choice this morning. Do I want to sleep in? Do I want to go out to breakfast now that restaurants are starting to open up? Or do I want to be at home with my family doing church together? Because, see, this virus has stopped us from meeting together in person, but it hasn't stopped us from spreading the gospel. It hasn't stopped us from gathering our families on Sunday mornings and doing church together. So the last time we were together, we talked about, do we love God? And I hope that if you're, if you're watching this live stream this morning, then the answer to that question is probably going to be yes. You're going to say, oh, well, of course I love God, Aaron. That's a silly question. But do our actions back that up? Do our actions truly back up the fact that we claim that we love God? And that's what we're going to start looking at this morning. So we're going to look at five ways that we show God that we love him. Now, 
Keep in mind, this is not an exhaustive list by any means. There are plenty of other ways that we show God that we love Him. But we're going to look at five ways that we as Christians can show God that we do truly love Him more than just saying, well, yes, God, I love you. We're going to look at how do our actions back that up. Again, this is not an exhaustive list, and we could probably do an entire sermon or even an entire sermon series on each of these five. So we're going to hit them kind of briefly today. And a lot of these are going to be things that may, may not be brand new information to you. But I think that every once in a while, we have to take a step back. We have to look at our lives. We have to look at our relationships. And we have to step back and say, am I on the right track? And that's what we're going to do today. So this is going to kind of be a, a back to basics, if you want to call it that, of some basic ways that we prove to God and we show to God that we love him. So let's dive in. The first one that we're going to look at is obedience. Now, obedience to the Lord comes from our love for Him. I love that so much. Obedience, we obey Him. We do His commandments. We do the things that He would have us to do, not because we have to. Because, see, God didn't create a people who were forced to do His will. Right? We've seen that all the way back from the Old Testament with the Israelites. We know what the Israelites did, right? They screwed up over and over and over and over and over again. Because, see, we have this choice, we have this free will to serve and to love God. So I love, I, I love this phrase that our obedience to the Lord comes from our love for Him and our appreciation for the great price that was paid for us. Now, Ben talked just a little bit ago about that sacrifice that was made on our behalf, and we're going to talk about sacrifice in just a few minutes. But we should want to obey God out of our love for him and out of our appreciation for him because see he doesn't force it right and those statistics that we talked about earlier tell us that we have the choice we have to make a choice every day you had to make a choice this morning am i going to be at home doing church or am i going to be out playing golf or whatever i might want to be doing on a sunday morning you made that choice to be obedient because you love god and you appreciate the things that he did for you Jesus calls us throughout the Bible to be obedient. Now, I, I, I like looking back at the Old Testament and I like looking at the root of words. And this is one thing that I've learned since I've been back in school is how to really dig a little bit deeper on trans, translations and what meanings of words would be. Because we know that the, that the Bible wasn't written in English originally, right? That's a translation that's been made over and over again. But the Old Testament, the Hebrew words, and I'm going to mess these up, shama and Hupako are frequently translated into to obey and to listen in a position of submission. And again, when we say that we're going to obey or that we're going to listen in a position of submission, we're doing it out of love for him. We're not doing it because we have to. He gave us that choice. So let's see what the Bible says, because at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what I think about obedience, right? It doesn't matter that I think this is important. What matters is, what does the Scripture say? So if you have your Bibles and you want to turn with me to John chapter 14, verse 21. Again, John chapter 14, verse 21 reads, Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. I love this verse because it makes it crystal clear what he's saying. The person who has my commandments and the person who keeps them, so not only knows what they're supposed to do, but does it, are the ones that I truly 
love and I will reveal myself too. It makes it very clear that obedience is really important to us as Christians, that we are to obey him again, not because we have to, but because we truly want to be obedient to him. And we can look through the Bible and we can see all of the different things that he asks us to do, things like forsaking the assembly and things like praying and things like, and things like following the plan of salvation. But we have to be obedient to what he says. And I also love that it says, whoever has my commands. Because see, that implies that we have to have his commands, which means we have to be in the word, which means we have to spend time in the Bible to know what it is that he wants us to do. Because how can we follow what God would have us to do if we don't know what those things are? And again, we do it out of our love for him. Faithfulness, number two. So one was obedience, two is faithfulness. Faithfulness is the act of being true to your word or promise. It is the ability to follow through on commitments with dedication. I, I like that so much because it says our ability to follow through. See, when we get baptized, we commit to live our lives to Christ. We say, yes, I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I pledge to follow him for the rest of my days. But true faithfulness means we don't just say that the day that we're baptized, but we live that out day after day after day, and we remain faithful even during the difficult times. It's easy to be faithful to God when things are going great, when you get the promotion, when you get the new car, when things are going your way. It's super easy to remain faithful, right? And to feel close to God. But what about those times where things are difficult and things are not going your way? You know, now's a challenging time for a lot of people because they've kind of been cut off from friends and family and things like that. Are we still remaining faithful? Are we still praying? Are we still reading our Bibles? Are we still getting the word wherever we can and keeping that relationship going? Or are we saying, well, because of my circumstances, I'm just going to let that go? I hope and pray that we are still continuing to strive to be a resilient disciple during these times. Sometimes faithfulness means abandoning fear and going for it. It says, when we explore a new interest or activity, it's normal to be tempted to let things get in the way of following through. This one hits home for me <laughs> because I'm back in school. I'm 46 years old. I've got two kids under three. Life is chaotic to say the least. And there's been times where I've gone to my wife and said, you know what, maybe I just need to drop out of school. It's just too much work. It's just too hard. I just don't have the time to do it. I, I think maybe it's time for me to just take a break and stop going to school. Because see, when, when we explore something new, it's normal to be tempted to let it go. Right? We've all been there, right? Whether it's a sports team, whether it's a job, whatever the case may be, sometimes when things get hard, we just want to let it go and say, you know what, I'm done. I'm just going to walk away because it's easier to walk away than it is to dig in and to stick to it. Well, we know that the path of Christianity is not an easy one. It's a difficult one. And we're going to face challenges and we're going to face trials and we're going to face temptations, but we've got to remain faithful to the one who remains faithful to us. And that's where the key comes in. I've had people tell me, you know what? I used to be a Christian. I used to be a Jesus follower, but I decided I didn't want to do that anymore. That's just not for me. That old church thing, it's not for me. Well, they've missed the whole point of having a relationship with Jesus. Because see, you don't just walk away from relationships that are important to you. You fight and you work and you do whatever it takes to make that relationship work. 
And that's what faithfulness is all about. We don't give in. We don't just quit following Jesus. We say, yes, things are difficult, but I'm going to continue to trust in you because you're faithful to me. I'm going to be faithful to you. So let's look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Galatians 5, 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. I love that he put faithfulness right next to peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, love, and joy. I don't think that's by happenstance. I don't think that's a mistake. He wanted us to know that faithfulness is right up there with love and peace and forbearance and kindness and all of the other things when it comes to the fruits of the Spirit. That tells you that faithfulness is really important when it comes to how we live our lives as Christians. Let's look at James chapter 1, verse 12. James 1, 12 said, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because, having stood the test, the person will receive the crown of life and the Lord has promised to those who love him. Perseverance. Isn't that really what it's all about as a Christian? It's about persevering when things get hard. We're in a difficult time, right? And we have found new ways to reach more people than ever before. See, we could have just said, you know what? We can't meet at the building, and it's a lot of work to put a live stream together, so we're just going to stop meeting until the government decides we can meet again. But see, we didn't do that. We found new ways to spread the word. We're reaching more people now on Sunday mornings than we've ever reached in the past. And I hope that as things do tend to change back into whatever our new normal looks like, we'll be able to continue to reach more than just the people that are here, right here with us in Mission Viejo. Because see, the Bible doesn't tell us to increase the numbers of people in the pews at your church. It says to make disciples. And we have found new and better ways to do that so that even then when we can come back together, we still have these other options. Our Wednesday night Bible study numbers have been better than they've ever been before. And we're already thinking through this process of, okay, so once we can meet back together at the building, of course we'll still have a live Bible study for those people that want to come here. But can we also reach people all over the United States? Can we share the good news with more than just the people who are physically able to be in our building? And the answer to that is yes, we can. Because, see, we've persevered through this hard time and we've found new ways to continue to share the gospel with others, to continue to do kingdom work despite our circumstances. And that's exactly what our faith is all about because it's bigger than the building. It's about Jesus Christ. And we've got to persevere even through the difficult times to say, yes, I'm still going to follow Jesus even though things aren't going my way. Even though maybe I'm not getting everything that I want, I am going to praise him even in the storms. Let's look at number three. And number three is sacrifice. And if you look up the definition of sacrifice, even just in the dictionary, it says, the ritual through which the Hebrew people offered the blood or the flesh of an animal to God as a substitute payment for their sin. So thankfully, we're not under the Old Testament law anymore, and we don't have to do physical sacrifices. But this idea of a sacrifice still rings true for us today. Because what happened was, is, is you have to remember that, yes, part of this was part of the tradition of that day, but part of this was also about giving something. 
right? You gave a sacrifice. You gave up something that was valuable to you, that was important to you. Because, see, most of us are not farmers, and we don't think of livestock as, as an asset or as livestock as money. But in this time, that's exactly what they would have been. The richest people were the ones who owned the most animals. So they were willing to give up something that was so important to them to make a sacrifice for the remission of their sins. So the Bible, and we're going to read this in just a minute, talks about us being a living sacrifice. And I want us to spend some time this morning thinking about what does that mean to be a living sacrifice? Because, see, we we don't have to sacrifice animals anymore. Jesus already took care of that for us. Jesus came down, walked the earth as a man, was tempted as a man, suffered as a man, and went to the cross. And that's the ultimate pure sacrifice. So we don't have to make animal sacrifices. But that doesn't mean that we don't still have to make sacrifices. And the Bible calls us to do just that. So let's look at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And this is a very common verse. A lot of you probably even have this memorized. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. It says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve with what God's will is. It says, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So again, it's this idea of becoming a living sacrifice. Let's look at one more scripture in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. It says, and then he said to them, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. So so I I love to look at these two verses together, right? Because it's telling us to use our bodies as a holy and living sacrifice. So how do we do that? Well, we do that when we give up the other things and give it all to God. See, that's how we show God that we love him. See, it says that we're to be in the world, but not of the world. And we're to let those things go. And we're to take up our cross daily. And that means that sometimes we have to deny ourselves the things that we may want or the things that we may want to do and instead follow God. There are so many ways that we sacrifice. We sacrifice of our time. We sacrifice of our money when we do our offering every week. We sacrifice of maybe some things that we may want to do. See, because when we become a Christian, we have to turn away from, from some other things, some things that happen in the world, some things that are not pleasing and acceptable to God. And we have to truly walk away from those things. And people say, yeah, but it's fun. Yeah, it is fun for a time. But that's not what sacrifice is all about. Sacrifice is giving things up for God. And when we do that, just like what the Israelites had to do when they had to make animal sacrifices, we're being pleasing to God when we're willing to sacrifice. When we're willing to say, sure, I'd rather be at the beach surfing on Sunday morning, but I know I need to be at church because the Bible teaches us not to forsake the assembly. See, we're making that sacrifice. When, yeah, we'd really like to buy XYZ, but that would require me to stop giving my tithe to the church. See, when we make that decision to go ahead and honor God with our giving, we're making a sacrifice. Because see, we can't just say, yes, God, I love you, if our actions don't back that up. Think about if you did that with your spouse. Let's talk about spouses for just a minute. Think about if you did that for a spouse. Yeah, honey, I love you. But then you talk bad about her, or you neglect her, or you don't provide for her, or you don't care for her, or you don't respect her, or you don't love her. 
Are you truly loving your spouse? It's the same thing with God. We say, yes, God, of course I love you. But when it comes to making decisions, we don't honor God in the decisions that we make. So what does that say to God? And God knows our hearts. That says, yes, God, I'm professing with my lips that I love you, but my actions are just not there. We read in the Old Testament of the Pharisees, and they were the experts at this, right? They'd stand on the street corner with their arms in the air, and they'd say these big, long, glorious prayers, but their actions didn't back up their words. I want to be careful that we don't go down that road of saying, of course I'm a Christian. Yes, I love God. But then we walk out the door and we do whatever we want. And it's things that don't honor God. We have to make sacrifices. That's how we show God that we love him. Relationships. Now, this is something we've been talking about for weeks, so we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this. But God, our Heavenly Father, has always desired to be close to us, to have a relationship with us. As Christians, we acknowledge that God exists and that Christ was resurrected. Despite knowing this, many of us have absolutely no idea what it means to have a relationship with God. Remember, that 10%, the whole reason that we're looking at all of this, only that 10% truly get it and have that relationship with God. God loves you. God desperately wants to have a relationship with you. He's done his part. He created you. He sent his son to die for you. He's done his part. Now we have to do our part of the relationship. Because like any relationship, it's two-sided. If only one person is invested in a relationship, I'm just going to tell you right now it's going to fail. It takes two, right? The old saying, it takes two to tango, right? It takes two to have a successful relationship. And God has already done his part. And he's made it very clear to us that he wants a relationship with us. But it's our part to say, God, I love you enough that I'm willing to invest in this relationship. I'm willing to do what it takes. So where do we start? And again, this is not an exhaustive list. Pray, pray, pray. And then when you think you've prayed enough, pray again. Because that's when we get to talk to God. If we look all the way back to the creation story, when God created Adam and Eve, he actually walked in the garden with them. And again, we've talked about this before, that it just blows my mind, that they actually got to walk with God, literally walked and talked with God every day. That tells you that that was the kind of relationship that God intended to have with man and woman. But what did we do? We screwed it up, like we always do. <laughs> we messed it up. But I believe that God still yearns to have that relationship with us. And he wants to have that relation with us. And it starts with prayer. It starts when we read the Bible. Because again, if we're not reading the Bible and we're not spending time in the Word, how do we know what God desires of us? How do we know what those commands that we talked about earlier that we're supposed to keep, how do we know what they are if we're not spending time in the Word and we're not reading? Besides, when we choose to read our Bibles, when we choose to read our Bibles instead of watching TV or watching a movie or playing video games, we're saying to God that you're number one and you're important. Because I know I can spend four hours a day playing video games, but I can't spend 10 minutes a day reading the Bible. See, that's again, we're telling God, yeah, oh God, I love you, but our actions aren't backing that up. Be baptized and ask God to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
there's been some debate lately. I, I've been seeing this online quite a bit about baptism and why it's important and why it's necessary. And maybe we need to do a one-off, a one-off sermon on that as well. But the Bible makes it very clear that we need baptism for the remission of sins. Jesus was baptized. To which his father said he was pleased. Now Jesus was the only person without sin. So in theory, Jesus didn't need to be baptized. But he did. And he set that example for us. And we can look at scripture after scripture after scripture that talk about baptism. But that's part of that relationship with God is as we mature in that relationship, we get to a point where we say, yes, I understand and I truly want to follow you the rest of my life. So we're baptized and have those sins wiped away so that we can continue our journey to walk closer to God. Get involved with the local church. We've seen during this time that we can do church from home. Because see, the buildings may have closed, but the church didn't close. The church is going on stronger than ever. But we still need to be involved in supporting our local church. And soon we're going to be able to get back together and we'll be able to do that right here in the building. But it's so important for us to be able to encourage one another and to build up one another and to be with one another and to fellowship with one another. Because I don't think we were designed to do life alone. I don't think we were designed to do life alone. And last is to serve God and serve others. I think that's fairly self-explanatory. We need to serve God. We need to get involved. We need to advance the gospel. We need to do kingdom work. And we need to serve others just as Jesus Christ did. So let's look at a couple of scriptures. Psalms chapter 34, verses 17 to 19. Again, Psalms 34, 17 to 19 says, The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them and delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. And this just again reminds us of that importance of that relationship that we have with God. That when we are a believer and when we reach out to God, he is there to hear our prayers. And he wants to hear our prayers. He already knows what we're going through. He already knows what's in our hearts. But he wants to hear from us because, again, it's that two-way street of communication. It's that two-way street of relationship where we have to truly say, yes, God, I want to talk to you. We get to talk to the creator of the universe. And that is amazing. So let's look at number five as we get ready to wrap this up. And that is to show love to others. It says, we may have lost sight of love. We no longer love the way we should. And this is a big problem. We're afraid to love others. There are many who need support from the body of Christ, yet we are afraid to give it to them. We're in a weird time right now. And I'm seeing a lot of division. And I'm seeing a lot of arguing There are people who think that the coronavirus is fake and that it was all made up for political reasons. There are those who have seen it touch their lives who will tell you it's absolutely true and they've seen that firsthand. We've got people who say you you need to wear a mask everywhere you go to protect others. And we've got others that say, not going to happen, I'm not wearing a mask. We've got those that support our president, we've got those that hate our president. We have an election coming up and we all know what happens every four years when we have an election we, even within the church, get split by those differences. And I want to urge you to not let that happen. 
It's okay to have your opinion, and I'm not here to tell you which one is right and which one is wrong. I'm not here to tell you that, yes, you should wear a mask, or no, you shouldn't wear a mask. That's only for you to decide. But what I am here to tell you is, just because your brother or sister doesn't agree with that, doesn't mean we're not still brothers and sisters in Christ, and we have to love one another. Because, see, we have to love each other, not only those of us who are in the body of Christ, but we've got to love others who don't think the way that we think, who don't look the way that we look, who don't talk the way that we talk. We still have to show them love because that's the message of the Bible, and that's what the Bible teaches us. It doesn't teach us to just share Christ with those who think the same way we do or that look the same way that we do or that live in the same place that we live. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches us to love others. Let's look at John chapter 13, verse 34. John 13, 34, it says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. And you must love, excuse me, so you, you must love one another. That makes it fairly clear that we should love others the way he loves us. And I don't see any stipulations there. I don't see where it says, you should love others if they're a Democrat, or you should love others if they're a Republican, or you should love others if they think the same way that you do. It simply says, love one another as I have loved you. Let's jump down to John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. It says, when a Samaritan woman came and drew water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone on to town to buy food. We all know this story, right? It's the story of the Samaritan woman at the well, and Jesus is sitting there. And if there was ever a person that Jesus, in theory, wouldn't have been talking to, it would have been not only a woman, but a Samaritan woman. Because again, you have to remember the context. The context is that they wouldn't have associated with these Samaritan people. Yet Jesus used her in a very powerful way way. Because if you read this story, and I want to encourage you to go back and read the story when you have time, but if you think about this story is not only did Jesus speak to her, which is basically lifting her up to say, yes, I think you're just as important as anybody else, despite where you're from, but he used her in a very powerful way to go back and to spread his news to the town and to bring the people from the town to Jesus. So she, she was partly responsible for saving an entire town because Jesus reached out to her and spoke to her, even though all of the norms of that day would have said, I can't talk to you because you're from someplace different than I'm from, because you're different than me. Because maybe they thought they were better than the Samaritans, right? But Jesus gives us the example over and over and over again in the Bible that he ate with sinners and he ate with tax collectors and he ate with prostitutes he didn't say, no, 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 I'm too good for you because I'm right and you're wrong. But isn't that exactly what we do sometimes? We are so dead set that everything that we think and do is, is right and everybody else is wrong that we forget to show them love. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we have to be acceptance of other people who are doing things that go against God's will. That's not what I'm saying. But we still have to love them. We still have to love them. We still have to show them love. Again, we don't have to accept what they're doing, and we don't, have to, we don't have to say, oh, what you're doing is okay. No, but we still have to show them love because they need Jesus too. And maybe if you can show them love, that can lead to a conversation about Jesus, and maybe they can see the error of their ways. But it starts with love. So let's look at some takeaways. Strive daily to show God that you love Him, just like you do in your relationships. 
whether it's your mom, your dad, your husband, your wife, your brother, your sister, every day look for ways to show God that we love him. And again, we can do that in the simplest ways by taking some time to read, taking some time to study, taking some time to pray. It says, look for ways to grow closer to him. You know, it's funny, sometimes in the past when I haven't felt close to God and I stop and take a look at my life, it was always me because God was always there. He didn't go anywhere. It's when I'm not praying enough. It's when I'm not spending enough time in the Word that I don't feel close to God. So I want to encourage you to look for ways to stay close to Him. Talk to Him through prayer. Make time for Him. And most of all, trust Him always. God is faithful and He's the same today, tomorrow, and forever. So we have to trust Him in what He's going to do and what He's already done for us. In just a moment, we're going to have a song for you. And this is going to be a time for you to have a time of reflection on are you truly showing God that you love him in everything that you say and that you do? Are we truly showing him that we love him? And maybe you haven't been. What a great time to just stop and to pray and to take some stock in your life and say, God, I haven't shown you the love that I should, but I want to do that going forward, and I don't want to let another day go by that I'm not showing you that I love you. If you need prayer, we are definitely here for you. You can reach out by email. There's even a spot on the app to put in any prayer requests that you may have. Or maybe you've reached a time in your life, as we talked about baptism earlier and how important baptism is, maybe you've reached a point where you've decided you would like to be baptized. We can certainly do that. The baptistry is still full. It's still warm. We can have a social distancing baptism, but why wait another day to be in a right relationship with Jesus Christ? Would you join us in this song? You are the everlasting God, the everlasting God. You do not think you won't grow. Well, I want to thank you again for joining us here at the Mission Viejo Church of Christ, wherever you may be and however you may be watching. We are glad that you were able to be with us here this morning. Also, I want to wish you a very happy and safe Memorial Day weekend as we take some time to think about those who made the ultimate sacrifice for our freedoms. Again, remember that we do offer midweek services for young adults, for youth group, for adults. And then next Sunday, we'll be back at 1015 with our children's worship and 1030 for our main service. Would you please join me in a word of closing prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us. We thank you for this opportunity that we had to come together as a church family, wherever we may be, to continue to sing some songs of praises unto you and to hear another portion of your word. Heavenly Father, help us this week as we get ready to go our separate ways. Help us to really continue to not only love you with our words, but also to love you with our actions as well. Thank you so much for watching over us. Thank you so much for keeping us safe. And most of all, thank you for sending your son. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you so much and have a great day. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. At the name of Jesus, every tongue confess. At
the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, every knee shall bow at his name. He is the wonderful counselor, he is the mighty God, he is the everlasting father, he is the prince of peace. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. At the name of Jesus, every tongue confess. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Every knee shall bow at His name. There is no other name. No name by which we're saved. There is no other name. Jesus, every knee shall bow.